episode one, Junkyard Firefighters. Um, today, we're going to just get into some basic stuff. We're going to introduce uh, Mr. Mike Mallon and myself, Bo Munson. Uh, we're going to give background on ourselves and then kind of figure out why or how this idea of this podcast came to be and uh, and hopefully uh, grow from here. So yeah, uh, anyways, uh, Mike, why don't you tell us a little about yourself? My name is Mike Malland. I uh, work at East Pierce Fire and Rescue. I've been there for eight years, coming up on eight years at this point. Um, start with a background at uh, Lake Wenatchee Fire and Rescue as a volunteer. Prior to that, I attended Seattle University, played baseball, uh, was studying engineering, decided that wasn't the path for me at the time, and uh, fell in love with the EMS world when I took an EMT class at every community college, go Trojans. From there, from there, I uh, moved forward uh, trying to get tested. I worked at AMR for four years while volunteering, got a fantastic education in real-world environment in downtown Seattle, as well as North Seattle. Uh, working as a private ambulance operator with AMR. Um, from that point forward, I uh, was hired by East Pierce and have never looked back. Uh, we are about four or five years into a career when I realized that there was a large gap in the training and opportunities for us to grow as not only firefighters, but as uh, personnel. Uh, within an organization, uh, opportunity-wise. And that's why I believe we're here with Bo, who will uh, talk about who he is now. Yep, so Bo, um, East Pierce Fire and Rescue, coming up on six years. Um, prior to that, um, got into the, uh, come from a law enforcement family, so I was the first person to take the correct step. Uh, started <laughs> started uh, EMT school fire academy in 2011 with Everett Fire or the Everett Community College programs, and then um, did about almost seven years working part time up in Snohomish County here in Washington State, um, and then got picked up with East Pierce uh, in January of 2018, and uh, currently uh, a firefighter, been acting as a company officer now for. Coming up on a year, it's been a new experience and a growing opportunity, learning a lot. Um, and, you know, outside the fire service, you know, worked in like UPS, Amazon, restaurant jobs, so a diverse background. Um, but like Mike was saying, the idea of, I think, East Pierce fire, but then also the fire service as a whole, there's a huge gap in like a bridge of knowledge and training experience, but then also like how do we make people better firefighters and then how do we mentor and coach to help push people to be um, the best version of themselves. Um, and that's kind of where this podcast came, idea came, which is a funny story because we, I think both wanted to do something like this. Um, and then Mike reached out to me and was like, Hey, I got this idea. What do you think? And I was like, wow, that's a great idea. Cause I have the same idea in my head. Like, this is amazing. Um, and now we spent, uh, quite a few months of like, you know, busy life stuff, summer stuff. And now we're settling in for hopefully podcasts, um, coming out more regularly and 
this is a nice pilot episode. So yeah, there we are. Love it, man. Absolutely love it. Um, so from the beginning, the idea came across my head. I was actually very fortunate to work with Bo um, early in his career. Him and I both kind of joined forces. I had just gotten off probation. We had just had a wonderful class of firefighters coming in that were recently hired with experience, and Bo was one of those guys. Uh, I was able to be a literal like day one off probation we get another guy in and it was Bo. so him and i were learning i think very parallel and i learned a lot from Bo, um because he had prior experience i did not so together i think at this point in our career um we sit very similarly in trying to gain more knowledge for the future um whether that means the officer track, whether it means just learning to be a senior firefighter for these uh, new generation of firefighters coming up. I know when we were both hired, our department was still running two managing companies, which is, it, it, it's pretty hard to deal with. In that time frame, in four or five years, we are now at Three managed companies, sometimes we're overstaffing to four. We, we are now functioning at where we should have been um, earlier. And that's not saying that that wasn't warranted. It just is where, where we were at. So, Bo, if you don't mind, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Just talk about how your growth happened and uh, what you've experienced in this six to seven year growth period from day one. Let's do it. All right. So, um, first question I had to ask you, you said you, uh, how did you get into the fire service? Uh, not expected law enforcement family, um, time that my dad was a cop, a couple of uncles and aunts were cops. Never when I growing up was like, wow, fuck fire engine. I don't have that background story of like, this is, I was meant to be a firefighter, like growing up in the firehouse, I was uh, the complete opposite. Um, got in the fire service earlier than expected due to a back injury, which prevented me from joining the military, um, which then transitioned me into moving like, all right, EMP school fire academy. So that's kind of where, that's how I got into the fire service was it wasn't on my radar you know, through high school. It wasn't even there. It was something after high school. And I was like, law enforcement but then i was like oh like firefighting and then like you know military was kind of my primary you know role and i was like oh, i'll get into fire like down the road but then that injury prevented military so then i was like well i guess my option is a uh, emt school and fire academy and hit the ground running so you how old were you i was 21 when i yeah the winter of yeah, January, February of, 20, of 2011. So I was 21 when I joined the, I got an EMT school. And then later that year, I did the fire academy. How was that experience in EMT school? Uh, it was horrible. <laughs> I was working at UPS loading trucks. So I was working from three in the morning till nine. And then I go and I would spend, you know, I think two nights a week. And then I was a Saturday. So I'd stay up till 11 or midnight for class and then get home, take a nap and then go to work and then repeat and it was a lot and it was also the first time i had been in school in almost three years and the workload 
that AMT school brought was phenomenal. <laughs> it was breathtaking at points where I was like, I am drowning, but it's a good learning experience because you can look back at that and be like, I had no idea what I was doing. I was not a college student and I still was able to knuckle down and like study and figure it out and like persevere through that program. And it was at times like overwhelming, but then graduating, I was like, thank God that is over with. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, true. Same, uh, same program. So I understand what you're saying about that. Um, now, when you uh, went into the EMT program, was your goal firefighting? Was that like where you wanted to end up or did you just pick a class to? Honestly, it was, yeah, it was, uh, my dad had actually suggested, hey, have you looked into the fire service? And then he goes, hey, have you looked into Seattle fire? He was a Seattle police officer. So EMT school was uh, like a prerequisite that I saw needed to be to apply to Seattle fire. So I was like, well, what better way? And I applied to get into North Seattle's EMT program, community college and Everett's. Um, and so he, he kind of pushed me that way. Um, and he even says today that he's like, I never was going to encourage any of my, my, my children to go into law enforcement. Um, but he just kind of nudged me that way. And that was kind of like, Oh, EMT school. And then during EMT school, which is weird for me to say this today because it couldn't be further from the truth. I was actually super excited and motivated to potentially pursue becoming a paramedic. Like legitimately was like, that is my, like, wow, this is so cool. And for people who that know me right now, like I support medics. They're great people. We need them. It is not for me though. Like it is not, I now where I want to go with my career now. And it's just so weird to, to say that because I remember back then I was like, man, I could be a medic. Yeah, I could do that. Like that'd be, that'd be pretty cool. And now I'm just thinking to myself, like, my 21 year old self, what were you thinking? Why are you saying that? <laughs> you could do this, but if you were a medic, you could do this. This. Yeah. yeah. So as a fantastic point, that's yes. So if I remember right, uh, that era, that was probably the, you said 2009, 2012 era. Yeah. Yeah. It was a big hiring freeze in the region, in the region, correct? So, I mean, getting that EMT cert was was pretty paramount just to to get you in the door to try to be hired, correct? Did you need uh, an EMT cert to, to get hired? EMT, and then a lot of them were still, like, smaller agencies like if it wasn't seattle or tacoma or like bigger agency you need to have all your fire certification your firefighter one your firefighter two hazmat stuff that was like all that was check boxes that you had to hit to even uh, to even attempt to apply like you couldn't even put an application unless you had an emt and you had those certs if you didn't have it it didn't matter like go to the next next department sorry yeah and that was something with me with east pierce was i had my emt cert and i didn't have my fire one yet i was volunteering but during that process it was giving me my fire one um our department at the time did not require that they would put you through that process so that was almost like a a golden goose of or uh you know the golden egg i guess is a better way to put it is like that wow i'm like this is a department that could could really help me out uh, but you had you had your Fire One cert already? Yeah, so I got mine 
at the end of 2011, I went to Everett's Fire Academy program, got my Fire 1, 2, and hazmat stuff. So in 2012, when I started actually applying, like I had everything, I had the stack of papers, and I was like, oh, now I can, I'm going to get a job really fast. And I did accept a level of like, it's going to take a while. And I did prepare myself mentally, but it, it took seven years of like, in and out of like, you know, the ups and downs of testing processes. How, was, how many tests do you think you took? I, I did the NTN test and the public safety test every, at least, I, I pretty much max it out every, every, I could do as many times as you could do, which I couldn't remember what that time frame was i think it was 90 days maybe or something like that yeah. i i remember it's, how my phone having like i took it this time and then immediately going on my phone and putting it on my calendar i can take it again on this date and, and yep. being ready to try to improve the score i do remember that yeah so you you got your fire one you got your emt and then you were constantly testing do you have a region that you were like hoping to get into or were you just kind of scattergunning everywhere you wanted to, to test i per i early on i was definitely going wherever i could go uh, all across the state um and i was pretty there was i was not really i didn't have like a target um seattle fire just because my dad's you know involvement with the city as a police officer so like i was kind of trying to get that one I didn't really have any like loyalty or like, Oh, I want to stay up in Snohomish County where I was living at the time. Like I, or I want to, you know, I want a small town. I want a city. I want, there was, there was no prejudice there throughout the middle, like that four to five year mark. I started to kind of really narrow down what I wanted, which was like fire district, medium sized apartments. And then I really wanted to get hired um with one of the agencies i was working part-time with um but then it was just one of those things where it's like i got so focused and like testing for that specific department that i kind of like for a good year and a half to almost two years i really just kind of dropped the ball on just testing anywhere else um and then once i picked testing back up i was like i just i it's time for me to get a job like i i'm not getting the job here so then i started testing and then it was about a year later after I started really knuckling down again is when I got the offer from East Pierce and a couple of other offers is just Murphy's laws. Once you get one, you get like two or three, if you're testing a bunch and that's kind of what happened. I was like, wow, that's true. <laughs> yeah. So, so you accept the offer from East Pierce in what year? It was December of 2017 when I accepted the conditional and then January 29th of 2018 was day one. Yeah. So yeah, okay, yeah, that makes that's in in my brain. I, I can basically picture you coming to the line. I was super pumped for for that group to come through. Um, so let's fast forward a little bit. You get the job, you get the conditional, you accept it. You decide that coming from where you were in Snohomish County, and for those that don't know the region, it's about on a good day, an hour north of where where the department is on a regular day is probably more like an hour and forty five. Uh, yep. Working down the five, um, accept that offer. It's a blossoming department that has recently come into its own. I I believe that where when you and I were hired, it is a completely different department to where we are now. Mm -hmm. uh, did you see that initially when you were getting tested? 
And when you learned about the department, was that something that stood out to you from the websites and from the research you've done and talking to people? Or was it kind of like a, um, this is a stepping stone? It was, so this, the kind of interesting background story is Renee, who works on my shift, um, who was hired the class before me, I had actually covered for him to go to his chief's interview with East Pierce. Um, and I actually delayed making a camping trip by about six hours to, to cover him because I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll help you out. Cause he was, he couldn't get coverage and, um, being part-time is a little bit harder to just give up work, um, per se. But, um, when I, f- the person that made the impact was at the time, Lieutenant Gilbert. Because the way his passion was, like when we showed up and like legit, like I could tell, like okay, he and I also had a uh, someone I worked with in um, up north who had said, hey, like Matt Gilbert is, he's one of those guys. Like you need to pay attention. I was like, all right. So that was initially like my gut was like, wow, this is pretty awesome, you know, blah blah. And I've had the attempts, or I've had the the thoughts of potentially lateraling back up north uh, to uh, a department up there just because a lot of guys I worked with lateraled there and a bunch of them, and it was that constant like, hey man, you got to put in an application, we're lateral, laterals again. But what I started to see though was like over like from the 2018 to like the 2019, 2020, I started to see the transition, the exiting of like the old administration and seeing the potential of who could be in the next couple spots of like, you know, chiefs and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? Like this place gave me an opportunity. They gave me a job. I'm going to stay loyal to that. Um, it's a new area. I never, I never did anything in Pierce County. I don't know where anything's at and it's uncomfortable, but it was a good, like get out of my comfort zone, learn things. Like when people are like, yeah, go Eli Hill. I was like, what is Eli Hill? And they're like, it's 410. I was like, oh, why don't we just call it 410? It's like, well, for the natives, it's Eli Hill. <laughs> it's like, but it was, so it was the writing, the writing slowly came on the wall. Like, hey, there's a lot of opportunity here and there's a lot of good people that could be in positions to move it and provide opportunity. And that's kind of where I was like, wow, I'm, I'm going to stay here. Like, there's no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to think about lateraling anymore. Like, I'm not, if anyone texts me or call me, I'm like, no, not interested. That's, I mean, that was a uh, a very well well placed conversation about how you recognize that. I mean, because I had the same thing. To be honest, I had the very same idea. Like this is a stepping stone for me. This is a I'm gonna get in, and then after about you know six months after probation, I was like, this place is blowing up. This mm-hmm. place has plans. This place has goals. This place has personnel, uh, has vision, <laughs> and, and vision, and nothing, nothing against the admin that was there at the time, um, but they all, they all understood that like hey, I'm going to be out of here in three years. I'm setting this plan up. I hope these people come up and follow through with my vision, and they all seem to have the same goal. And I mean, my goodness, look at where, like we said, we were two man engine companies. Now we're we're rocking. I mean, we have change coming everywhere we got all new stations coming we got apparatus that have been completely replaced top to bottom that i mean medic units and engines all brand new we just sent off our last 
reserve dash. Um, I can't think of another place on planet that did what we did in, in five years and not us personally, but our department. So very, very cool. So next question, a little bit tougher. Oh, <laughs> so you have passed probation. You went through Academy. Actually, let's take a step back. You hit Academy. How was your Academy experience? Can we hit pause real quick? Uh, Are you able to hit pause? I know we can edit. I, I, we can probably just edit. I would just, right, it says stop, so. Nikki's calling me real quick. Yeah. All right, I'm going to go to the bathroom. Spider-Man Oh boy. <laughs> serious. Serious incident. Holy water. Okay, so let's, uh, let's choose. I'm gonna make this note. Uh twenty we'll go at twenty to forty. You ready? So you went to Academy. Uh, tell us about your Academy experience. Uh, so that was the, um, that'd be Academy number two for me. And having almost seven years of very good experience, um, it was in my eyes, a goal I had set out prior to the Academy was like, I'm, I'm going, I'm going to push myself to get cheese company. I could easily have sat and said, oh, I've done this before. It's, it's a fire academy. I'll just hide in the shadows. I don't need to be like the, I don't need to, I don't need to challenge myself again. Um, so it was, it was hard. It was in February. It was cold. We had a couple snowy days. It was, uh, you know, it's, it's never fun to do a thousand pushups in eight hours. Um, like it just sucked a lot of sucking, <laughs> but it was good because our hiring class, I think, really grew together because of it. And we had people who had no experience. We had people who had, you know, my experience level, a couple of people in between. Um, and 
we live together at uh, one of our volunteer stations here at East Pearson. So like that, that camaraderie really set in. Um, but it was, there was crappy days. There was days where we were at each other's, you know, we were irritated with people or whatnot. But like for the most part, it was a very, it was a positive experience. Um, and looking back at it now, there's like things that, you know, I would say things like, oh, you know, my academy experience in terms of skill level was like, oh, it's, it's, I, I haven't progressed in my skills. And a lot of that came from just not, or being naive to the fact like, there's also half the class has never touched an SCBA pack before. And this is not a fire academy that's going to train you how to do like advance your skills if you've been in the job for a couple of years. Right. And so I definitely had that like perception lens issue. And then after a while, I was like, all right, it's, it's a recruit academy. Like it's back to ground one and they're just teaching everyone the same. And it's, it's so, yeah, it was when you, it was rough. If you don't mind interrupting, if you don't mind interrupting with that. Um, so you've been through one academy, you went through a basic academy with the understanding that, um, I know East Pierce did a pre-academy academy and post-academy and were you made aware of the post-academy prior to getting into the regular academy? Uh, I, I don't, I know we were told about a post academy, but I don't think we had any idea what that, I didn't, I didn't know what it meant. I just how remember long, saying how like, long oh, was your post academy. You don't let me ask. It was, I think it was about, it was eight or 10 weeks. It, yeah. I remember, I remember it being was long. long. I, I just wonder if you remembered. So remember we did, we did auto, I personally, I did auto extrication with your group. Mm-hmm. I do remember that. And, uh, you guys had said you're like on week five and I was like, we're, we're going Academy and then like another full Academy. Yeah. So, so you leave Academy, come to the line. How was that ringing in? Were you excited when you got your assignment or like, what did you, I, well, and the thing is I had, I had no clue of like who was at what stations, what shift to avoid, what crew to avoid. Like there was a lot of unknowns. Um, and I landed probably the most aggressive crew in the department at the time. Um, or one of the, um, shout out to Lieutenant Tim Jewett. Um, <laughs> and, uh, no, but it was, I, I, I didn't have a clue. And so I got it and I was kind of like, Oh, cool. Like I'm at, I'm at one eleven, the headquarters station, right in the middle of the district. So I like, you know, um, but I didn't start probation off super well with my crew because, uh, part of our tradition is we, you know, ring the bell, what our station assignment is. And so one eleven is just one ring and we're supposed to sign the oath after <laughs> the, uh, ceremony. I had no idea. Uh, I took off with my family because they all came from up up north. They drove down south, right, and uh, sat in like two hours of traffic. So I was like, "All right, let's get done with this, grab a picture, and we're gonna go have dinner and 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 have some drinks and celebrate." And I'm out of dinner, and one of my class, one of the guys I got hired with, calls me. He's like, "Bo, you need to get back here now." And I was like, "What? What's up? You need to sign the firefighter's oath like now." And I was like, "Oh, uh, I'm out of dinner, man." I'm like, "Can you just grab it for me?" He's like. Okay, I'm going to try. And so I get a text message about five minutes later saying, I, I'm sorry, I couldn't, get, I couldn't get your oath for you. And I was like, well, who has it? And he goes, one of your, one of your crews that you're assigned to has it. And I was like, 
And in that moment, my heart fell out of my chest and I had bowel movements, I'm sure. And it was just, you remember who I was like, that is not how I wanted to start this. Like, I know what probation is. I've been in the job long enough. Like I've seen it. And I was like, this is not how you start this off. Like, this is not good. And sure as, you know, sure as heck, I show up the first day of shift and uh, sitting on the island, big table at 111 right there in the kitchen is is my oath and my crew sitting around it who was and all there the f- let's just give let's just give some shout outs. okay i think it was, it was one of the so greatest days of my life getner was getner was on overtime that day it was tim rex i think mitch was there and Lori. i'm pretty sure and I walk in and I see it and instantly I'm just like, oh no. No, no. I walked in, Rex brought it in and slid it on the table. That's how it happened. Rex slid it on the table and I just was like, this is not good. This is not how I wanted to start my career here. And Tim looks at me, he goes, so how serious about this job? That's it. That's just, that's how it started. That's, that is how my formation started on, on C shift and at East Pierce Fire and Rescue. And I was like, man, I am in a world of heart now. Like the hole that I have to dig out of on day one is insurmountable. <laughs> I already, a, like I lost. I, so that's yeah, how that was, we're going to, we'll probably have to edit last names out of this, but I'll, I'll tell you what, Tim, you're one of the best to ever do it. Like oh, yeah. <laughs> the intimidation factor. <laughs> And we'll, I'm sure we'll go into stories about that, but like, uh, he, he understands it. He's so passionate about the, the people that he's able to impact and create uh, a sense of professionalism. It's little things like that, that don't, I personally, I don't believe impact the effectiveness of who you can become as a firefighter, but it makes a statement about the importance of the culture that we're in. I think it, yeah. it, it truly does. I think a, a all, always a tip of the hat to that man and the whole crew that that crew was incredible i don't know that crew personally they're great they're actually they're actually right there in that little oh, picture man that was my probationary gift that they gave me uh one of my pride and joy moments that's them all sitting there um anyway so probation how'd it go uh, probation it was it has ups and downs, like everything, right? Like expectations and like trying to, you know, I'm trying to fit into a different culture and how uh, organizations ran operation different, like how different, you know, there's two man companies in this department. Um, and how this, so like that, like for me, the biggest struggle was learning the people and the personalities and then adjusting to like just a different EMS is not tiered. It's like there's no BLS ALS, right? It's primarily ALS, and you know there's no aid cards. It's just medic units with an EMT and a medic on it. And so, probation for a while was just learning people, learning the how East Pierce, how Pierce County operated, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then over time, though, it became, um, you know, what was unique is because of the experience level. It wasn't like a traditional probation in terms of like, well, we can't challenge him on how to throw a ladder and pull hose, right? Like we have to challenge him in other ways, which is, you know, asking 
questions, making me pronounce medication names because I can't speak well. And, you know, I'm going to struggle with it, like to try and make you uncomfortable. And that's something that, you know, a future podcast will be about is like, yeah. you know, Hell yeah. talking about probationary people and the new, how we don't have experience and we're hiring and whatnot, but I get challenged in other ways. So like I do things like, um, uh, like uh, NIOSH line of duty deaths was like a thing I would do in the middle day of every set. So like that was just, again, something that helped challenge. And that's kind of my probation was like challenging me in other ways than like a traditional, like brand new, no experience. Here's how you pull a hose. Here's how you take a blood pressure. Here's how you patient interview, right? Um, so yeah. I think a really important thing to note, and like Bo said, I think, Moving forward, uh, we will talk and address a lot about this stuff. Um, but today it's about introductions and getting to know us because we will be, we're hoping to create the platform that people can reflect back on and watch this in however much time and be like, oh, they, they, they were where I am, right? It's not, yep. <laughs> they, they have the same thing. Um, I think one of the things to note about, like the NIOSH reports and the, and the learning is that uh, it's going to be different everywhere. Right. I, I fully expect to hire people that know what a blood pressure is, but you're going to have two weeks of learning what a, what a blood pressure is and how to take one. So yeah, uh, that's let, let's, let's kind of scoot forward a little bit and, and, and talk about years three and four. So you've been through probation, um, from my perspective and from a lot of people that I know, um, highly, highly respected. You came off probation, you did everything right. Uh, some people call it a game. You played it well. And, uh, now you're kind of at that year three, four mark at East Pierce, uh, been moved around a bunch. What are you thinking in your head? What, what's your goals moving forward? Do you, are you thinking about goals? Or are you thinking about, I'm feeling pretty good? Um, no, I was pretty ambitious when I, when I got <laughs> probation, uh, and I started looking at, you know, okay, when can I test what, like, I would say right after probation, I was like, okay, I'm off probation. Let me settle and let's just spend the next year kind of, right. So that's like leading into the years three. And then now we're, so we're at three and four. So I kind of settle figuring out what I want to do. Like I want to get on the wildland team. Now like, that was my first goal was like, all right, I want a wildland team. Like that's what I want to get on. Okay. Get, get, I get that. And then, you know, you know, COVID hits. Right. So that kind of throws a weird wrench and like, it just, things got weird for a bit. Yeah. Let's, um, let's, let's so, end COVID. Cause that's a, such a, yeah. That's no, we're not even, we're just, it was just a weird, yeah, it happened. just a weird, it was a cloud era. There was a cloud that just hung over there. Um, so, but then even through that time and then like getting into like the years three and four, you know, as a career firefighter, that was already hitting my years like 10 and 11 total in the fire service. And so I knew I didn't want to be a medic anymore. That ship had sailed. <laughs> Young, naive Bo was aware that he didn't want to be a medic anymore. <laughs> so, oh, but what happened, like what I started re like recognizing was like the importance, like a desire 
from a lot of young people of like leadership, mentorship, and like vision. And like, what do like, what am I supposed to do now? Like, where do I go? Um, and so what that led me to is like the ambitious side of me is like, okay, I looked at like the lieutenant's policy. Like I need five years. I need to click my acting book. Um, I need to, uh, start taking classes to get to meet the requirements to act. So I'm eligible to take my first lieutenant's exam, right? Like, so that's what became like my primary focus. Um, can you, can you tell us when that is eligible at our department? Just so the uh, listeners know. So that'll be this in see October, November in about four months. Um, it'll be the testing process for lieutenant. And that'll and how, be how soon from when you can get hired. Can you, can you test it's five so yeah. five years from when you get hired and so for me because of when i got hired i'm like right in between testing cycles so it'll mm-hmm. be six years for me when i actually get my first test but i need a minimum of five years an acting book 10 shifts where you're mentored by a lieutenant or current hard bar lieutenant or captain um and then a, a book to go through that's recently been up updated um so three and four definitely became like classes um, making sure that's all good to go. Um, and how uh, I'm going to, I think we're starting to get in the area where we're really going to delve into what we're going to specialize here. Um, so I'm going to start picking away questions if you don't mind. Uh, you said years three and four. Um, what classes did you attack? So, f- uh, for me, it was leaders, the leadership classes to an NFA, um, getting like ISO done, instant safety officer, uh, certified building construction class. Um, I already had things like instructor one. Um, I've been trying to get in the fire officer one class, but you know, due to the uh, pandemic, a lot of those classes kept getting canceled. So I was waiting and waiting and waiting. So those were the classes I was targeting for a policy uh, to be eligible to take the exam. And so that was kind of my focus. Like what those I had that was in front of me, like I have to take these classes. So let's knock them out. Um, but there were a lot of classes in the peripheral that I was taking because I was thinking like they're going to benefit me down the road um, or they're going to expose me, um, challenge my perspective, um, change my lens on how I view things a little bit. And those are things like the Brave Fire Leader class I took, which was about a 10-week course online that was meant for company officers and chief officers, but I gleaned a lot from it. Um, so that was kind of where I was at was like policy courses, but then also go to conferences and, you know, and whatnot. So you're at the four year mark. You started to take classes. You obviously had a vision. Like you said earlier, you said you had leadership, mentorship, and vision. What was your vision in seeing yourself at the five year? 10 year 15 year mark or where, where did you see yourself internally as a member of east pierce or just in the fire service in general so i think vision wise and there's some context to like when i was in my mid-20s so i got hired when i was 28 okay. um i'll be 34 in december um my mid-20s i told myself why would anyone ever want to promote off of an engine like, why would anyone want to promote higher than a captain or a lieutenant? Like, who who are these people, right? And I found myself, <laughs> yeah, I found myself, I found myself saying, like, at when I was thirty two, 
right, like a year ago, I want to, my vision is I want to promote to lieutenant. I want to promote to captain. I want to become a battalion chief. I want to become an operations chief. I want to become like a, an admin chief. So you just have like, like a linear path of like, these are the things I want in my entire career. Yeah. Like I want this to end is, up at this point. Yeah. Like my end goal is like a, 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 a admin chief of some point, obviously operations is like where my passion's at. And so that's where I want to land. Um, but that idea wasn't necessarily because it was like, Oh, like that's what I want to do is I want to be a chief. It came from how important it is to have people in those positions to affect change and to like motivate and inspire people. And I had a, uh, leadership, like kind of like a little summit that was done at East Pierce where like we had our own like chiefs, uh, succession planning. And they talked about like, why did you want to become a chief? And one of the chiefs on the panel had said it was so I could inspire and influence more people. So the idea is I am now the, the chief level of this, this part of the organization. And now I can help people who are at the firefighter rank, the lieutenant rank, actually make a change and make that impact, uh, whether it be sitting on a committee or getting a new piece of equipment or whatever it might be. But like that statement was very like, like it landed well <laughs> when he said that. And it was, um, that whole panel had a very diverse background of like, you know, no college education. I never thought of myself as a chief and like just hearing their stories kind of helped that. So that, that helped build start. That's what sparked the vision of like, okay, I can kind of see where I can go now. Like, and what the impact could be. Um, and that's what kind of brought that like linear path of like, all right, promoting and going that route in my career. So, I mean, I, I love that. Love. Uh, I think we can all relate to, for me personally, singular moments that reflect on how you have developed your professional career, not only from entry, entry level, that's a big step in itself, right? Like choosing to make the path of sacrifice to become a civil servant in a way, right? Um, we all make sacrifices in certain ways, but understanding that once you make that sacrifice, there's a, the job is just starting, right? Um, there's so many avenues that you can make sacrifices of going to medical school. That's a huge effect on your family, going to um, these classes to become an officer, coming to these classes to advance to higher chief levels and understanding that once you're at that level, the main goal in hearing it from somebody from that position is, yeah, my goal to get here was to show other people that they can get here and give them the path to do it. That's, I love that. I, I that, that's pretty cool. Um, moving past that five-year mark, um, you're now approaching your first test. How do you feel? Um, I'm feeling everything you're supposed to feel, I think, is excitement, nervousness. What if I don't even test well? <laughs> what if I just lay an egg and I'm like, wow, apparently I'm not ready to do this. Um, it's, 
it's exciting to think about the opportunity of that. Um, but there's also just a lot of nerves. Um, but, uh, it's all, it's all like, it's like the yin and yang. Like I'm super excited about the opportunity, but there's also like a level of like, man, I'm really not going to be, I'm, I'm going to be hard on myself if I don't test well. Um, and so, but that also like, kind of like drives a little bit of like, all right, like you're prepared, like do what you need to do and you know, whatever happens is going to happen. But like, it's definitely one of those things where I'm sure the day before I'm going to be like a nervous wreck just because I'm be like, okay, it's, it's game time. Tomorrow is like, put on the fucking uniform and it's time to actually go out and perform and not just be like thinking about this process or thinking about the idea of taking a test. You know, size of that class B. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh boy. So you, so you feel prepared. Um, you obviously are, you're, you're an acting company officer right now, currently at East Pierce. And, uh, have you hoboed around a bunch and, and been acting all around or you've been fortunate enough to be pretty isolated in your home station? Um, I, I have hoboed around now a decent amount, but I pretty much bounce between my home station, um, and then one of our neighboring, um, I don't want to say sister stations, um, but it's a station I was assigned to at one point. So um, I bounce between the one tolls my home, 116 is the other one I go to. And then occasionally I'll go to like our headquarter stations, but not um, not as much as I used to. Um, so let's dig into that a little bit then. I mean, here you are, uh, a five-year guy coming up on six years, right? What you said. Yeah. Um, as an acting company officer acting over individuals who have been here for 15, 20 years, people who have uh, chosen different paths. There's nothing wrong with any of that. It's super respectable. I love all that, but you have personalities to deal with. Um, in the majority of the world, five years is nothing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, in, in the fire service, it really, really is, is seen as a, you're just now getting to know, what it is and in my opinion it truly is right? like we're we're both there and i'm still learning stuff every single day yeah um, well that's one of the biggest challenges you faced well and that's so that's it's um the challenge is there because i don't think people people underplay and discredit how the role of like a company officer is with a crew and I think a lot of people don't realize the weight it carries and like the impact it has, even as an actor is it's more than just being the radio, the voice on the radio. It's more than being the voice on a scene. That's like, Oh, Hey, I need you to pull this line or, Hey, I need you to go triage this patient on an MVA or, Hey, I need you to, you know, can you go back to the rig grab an O2 bottle, you know, during, you know, medical call or something like that. But like, there is way more to it because your how you show up to work sets the tone for the day and like how you carry yourself and how your gear set up and how are you in your unit, like everything you do, you are like modeling what your expectation is for the day. Um, and yeah, like personality conflicts, like I hobo in the stations where I haven't worked with people in like six months. And now I go from being like a peer of like, Hey, I saw you at the hospital there. Like, Hey, to now, Hey, I need you. Like I'm, I'm going to be direct with you on a call 
And it's not because I'm like being an a-hole or anything, but it's like going in and out of that like friend to boss role is very unique. Um, and yeah. then, yeah, you throw seniority in there and it, it can bring its, it can bring, that can bring its own challenge. Um, thankfully, from my experiences, anyone in that tenured spot understands my role and like what I'm doing and that it's not coming from a place of like, oh, I'm a five-year guy telling you what to do. It's just, I'm filling in as your, you know, your, as your acting company officer today, just because your lieutenant's gone, your, your lieutenant's off or your captain's off or something like that. Um, do you rely pretty heavily on those senior firefighters at the crew that day or senior medics on the crew that day to, to hopefully understand that? Or is, is it becoming more of a, um, communication model like hey i need to make sure everyone understands where where i am arriving today as an acting company officer so uh, that's i think so there's like two parts that i think that starts prior to you becoming an actor i think you demonstrating competency and like being like you know like on a cpr call right like you have those people on crews that run like the bls side of the cpr they're calling out changes or calling out rhythm checks right like you demonstrate your like command presence and like your leadership abilities like in those kind of stressful environments and you're the first one to step like you just kind of naturally take that role like that's just you you feel it so there's like that like the it's like the pre-course work i would say of like stepping into the, the acting company officer role um and then like that communication side is like there's a the importance of like a crew meeting really is like very paramount is like hey sit you're down talk, you're talk talking like tape like tabletop morning like morning meeting yep. after yeah. yep well we have a company officer meeting at you know 8 30 in the morning with the battalion chief and all the other station you know officers and then you after that they break out and you know say nine o'clock is like hey we're gonna meet for you know a, a crew meeting and that meeting helps set the tone for like the crew in a day and it's not like hey i'm gonna come in here and slam my fist and be like i'm ruler today but it's like hey here's what's going on what do you guys need do you have any needs any concerns um you know any issues or anything like that like so be there for them um and show them that you're you you have a plan for the day um that you can help alleviate any stress they have or if there's any problems going on that you can you know go talk to battalion chief for them or send off some emails you can take care of them and that usually i think curbs any notion of like those those two together of like prior to being an aco or an acting company officer right and then being that good have that good reputation and then step into the role and then just take care of the people i haven't had to have a discussion about like oh hey I understand I'm a five-year guy and I know it's just, you know, it, it's just weird. I, I need you to like follow directions on calls because it's kind of, it's not, it doesn't vote well. Right. Because, you know, it's not, I'm not the idea of like, I'm not trying to belittle you or challenge you because you're a 15 year, 20 year person. It's just, I'm doing my job and that job requires me to like say, Hey, can you grab this or can you do this? Right. Kind of thing. I think that's a huge point. I think the, the word you use there challenge, like we're not trying to challenge. No, no one at work should be trying to challenge anyone's decisions. Right. The idea should be we're patient advocates here. 
we're advocates of the emergency situation. We're we're trying to make sure everything that we know is being understood based off of what we understand. Right. I see that if I see a fire and no one's putting water on the fire, my question's going to be from my training, why are we not putting water on the fire? Right? I don't have to be a I don't have to be a seventeen year guy to recognize that I have questions about this. So awesome. Man, awesome. Um I think we're coming up on an hour here. Um I don't want to drag this too long, but I I do want to ask you one more question. Um, What is your goal for this podcast moving forward, being a co-founder of what we are dubbing the Junkyard Firefighters? Such an amazing name, though. It's so good. I don't know. It's just, it's whispered it into the rugged, sophisticated, yet like the misfits, but the salsa is just, it's just, yeah. yeah. It's just nice, so nice. I fall asleep to it. Um, yes, yeah. I, give me, give I, me your goals, man. Like, let, what? Let's let's let everyone know, like, what you want to to experience here. And, and I share think with the world, the the big goal um, is inspiring, like the middle, those two to five, two five seven year employ, like firefighters, to so, like how to like have a vision move forward like and 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 discuss that and talk about like how do you like what does that look like or and how and get people on here to talk about how their that process was but then there's much more than just like just that that group of people in the fire service right there's like the opportunities to talk about like you know after after probation like you know what should what should you do and then the importance of followership leadership and mentorship there's ideas like um let me look at my running tab here um is that a vertical monitor no that is a vertical monitor yes it's a big list um like talk about like you know like how to make an impact because that's like a huge thing with like generation stuff right now like how how do you make an impact when you're a two-year person how do you make an impact when you're a 10-year person how can you make an impact as a 20-year guy maybe we have a guest on here who was pretty docile maybe most of his career and all of a sudden just found this just drive right to like make that impact um understanding like things about how you can potentially influence from your rank and your position in an apartment and just try for this to be like a melting pot of like everything from i got probation to what do i do to hey i want to better understand like how to train a probationary firefighter because I want to have the input or the insight from people who just who are doing it, who have been doing it, and then maybe you know tenure people that have been doing it for twenty years, right? To give a, just a vast uh, a canvas of like different topics. Damn, yeah, it would be amazing. But that just all that stuff, just constantly challenging the status quo you know, perspective lens changes. Um, and I think a big one too is like how to make mistakes and then how to learn from them and how to own them and how to be okay with that. Like that is life 101. All that. Yes. That's fantastic. Uh, thank you, Mr. Munson. That's been, uh, we're, we're going to break this down to, we'll do one 
one short podcast with an interview with you, and then we'll do one with me. But uh, as we tie this off, I'd like to work in with what you were describing as what we want this podcast to be. And I think it is that perfect example of answering the questions that we all had that we were too young in our careers to really understand that they were questions. Um, we get to the point where you're in a three-year guy and what classes should I take? Hey, we're going to bring in a guy who's four years and just took three classes. And he's going to talk about the ones that he went to, the ones he recommends, the ones that were a great time. And hopefully in the future, we can bring representatives or people from classes across the country or wherever they are to say, hey, come to our class. Let's have a conversation yep. why you need to be here. So this can be a conduit. The, the the idea and the goal is this to be a conduit for growth in the profession. Make everyone better, safer, stronger, and grow leadership, fellowship, and mentorship. Better firefighters means safer people, period. Yep. So, Bo, thank you so much. We're lucky to have you. I'm lucky to have you as a buddy, a partner, and a uh, fellow junkyard firefighter. Oh yeah, it's been a, it's we'll been a it's been an awesome trip down memory lane a couple of times. I was like, wow, I got to really like, oh my gosh, yeah, that was well, a couple awesome. Trojans, then, man. I didn't realize oh. we were a couple Trojans. <laughs> now teams. and then, next episode, you said next episode we'll we'll dive into uh, Michael's experience in the fire service and then go through that whole route. Level. All right, we'll close this out here, Bo. Send us on our way, and uh, we'll start the next one next week. Yep. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for the first episode. Um, we'll catch you guys on the next one for a little interview of Mr. Mike Mallon. Um, go ahead and uh, head down to the descriptions to follow social media accounts and whatnot, um, which will hopefully be up and running shortly. Catch you in the next one.